30 years that's where it happened. There's going to be a hiccup or a bug. It's usually right there. Uh, so please be in prayer for that. And gentlemen that work back there. And we have some that can are miracle workers back there. So be in prayer for them. Yes, I mean, it is an amazing thing that they do. We're in First Corinthians chapter 12. And we're actually kind of looking a little bit at, at uh, Valentine's Day. So someone asked me, also, Pastor, what is Valentine's Day? Well, it is a conspiracy by Hallmark. <laughs> to get you to buy a car and to take some money out to eat. Now, no, really and honestly, it does have its roots. Uh, kind of, sort of, in some Christianity, people would say. But it was also, if you look past it, you might find some pagan roots. And let me tell you, you can look and find pagan roots with not anything nowadays. Um, but, uh, really and honestly, we had this uh, particular Christian by the name of Valentine. And this is going to be in around 280 uh, AD. Uh, the Roman emperor's name is Arius And he has made the decree, and there's a debate on the actual year. But we do have the day that he was martyred on the day of the um, But Claudius has decreed that Roman soldiers and Roman men at this time cannot marry. And of course, this uh, particular minister, lay minister, or preacher, is marrying them behind closed doors. And the reason why. Emperor has declared he can't marry him because he felt like the uh, Roman's deep connection to his wife would keep him from fighting in the war. And they're actually in, in deep trouble at this time. You know, anything about Roman history was a part of the Roman Empire, etc., etc., and they just moved on the run. Some of you know some of Roman history at this time. So, uh, anyway, with that being said, he is found out that he's martyred for marrying secretly uh, all these Roman men. Who otherwise would have been drafted into the army fighting And that's why we kind of see Valentine's Day to say it's a, a celebration of love, right? And so that's what we kind of look at it. It has nothing to do with Cupid and a little bow and arrow to shoot you booty and just fall in love with somebody. It really doesn't happen that way. Um, we are going to look at love, and we're going to look at love from a Christian point of view. And I am going to let you out early. I thought I was going to let you out about 10 minutes. We're going to move through this context. We have a real short PowerPoint slide, but it, hopefully it will be a neat one and hopefully full of, of some learning for you. So the title tonight, Message is Love. If you join us online this evening, we want to welcome you as well and actually consider being part of what God is doing at Life Strategy Baptist Church. Come be a part and feeling of what God is doing here in the sanctuary. Uh, I've been asked to remind you that we are having our chili cook off on Friday evening, and tonight's the last night. Isn't that right? We can get it up, so even up at the door. All right, so praise God for that. So praise God for that. So we're, we'll be having that. That's our next next upcoming event, other than our regularly scheduled activities of Bible studies and things of that nature. So we want to encourage you to be a part of those. All right, so we're looking at a Bible study tonight called Love. And so we're going to start out in First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're going to read just a few. Uh, verses at the end of chapter 12. And the reason why we're doing that here is I want to remind you that the verses in the chapters were added much later in the scriptures. And they were added as a means to find them, as a reference, so we can find what we're looking for later on. You ever notice when you're reading through, like your New Testament, and Paul's quoting, or Jesus is quoting, or somebody else is quoting, they'll say, In the place where it's written. And you're like, Well, how come they never said chapter 5, verse 7? Or whatever they just because it didn't exist in that time. They simply said in the place where it's written, in the scroll of Isaiah where it's written. And that's how they would reference those. Later on, 
we added the chapters and the verses. And it's been often said, as a joke, that whoever added those chapters and verses must have done it while riding on horseback. Because some of them just don't make sense. And you notice they cut right through the main idea, or cut right through the topic, or right through the difference sometimes. And so when we read First Corinthians chapter 13, which is what we're going to read here in just a minute, it is a unique chapter. We call it the love chapter. It is so wonderful. And it is standalone. But to understand the context of it, we need to go back to chapter 12 and see how that's set up. And so let's take a look here in chapter 12. Let's read verses 27 and 31. The Bible says, Now you are the body of Christ. That's right, church. You are the body of Christ. And it reminds you the Christian church had all kinds of spiritual issues. They also had all kinds of spiritual good things happening as well. They had a mix of good and bad. Paul was praising and Paul was condemning. And Paul was counseling and Paul was encouraging. He had all kinds of neat things happening at the Corinthian church. And this is one of the things you have to remind them of. And so take a look here in chapter 12, verse 27. You are the body of Christ and members individually. That is a beautiful truth in your Bible. Matthew has really brought that out in our ability to express uh, your individuality as a Christian. We believe in something called the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? That means you can talk to God without somebody in between you and God. Isn't that beautiful? The priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. I sat down with a few other denominations about six to seven weeks ago. And one of those individuals is placed in his church by his diocese. And he said, how do Baptists choose their pastors? I said, we're putting an application to get hired. And he gave me the look of hope. Said, That's right, buddy. I said, no. We go to God. We talk to God. And God provides the right man at the right time through the right channels and the right processes. And we believe God set that right person up. He said, that sounds a lot better when you say it that way. that you're the body of Christ, and we all are individuals of Christ. And individually, we all have a gift. And you know that you have a gift. And as pastors, it is part of my job to help you settle with that gift and to put that gift to work. Sometimes it's harder than you might think. And some people, they end up doing what we as Christians do all the time. You know what we end up doing? Become envious of somebody else. Become envious of it. Don't do it that way. Don't do it like this is the way I want to do it. You don't need to worry about what the other Christians are doing. You worry about their gift. And so your gift is going to be different than my gift. So it might be in the same area. There's going to be different abilities of it, different amounts of that gift. And I'm not talking about charismatic gifts. I know most of us want to immediately get into that and start debating that. That's not what I'm here to debate with tonight. So I want to go ahead and put that out there. If you want to debate with me about that, you can talk to me about that some other time. But tonight, I'm not here to debate speaking in tongues. I'm not here to debate the gifts of healing. I'm not here to debate those things. I'm here to say that you have been given a gift by God. When you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit, and God has given you something that you can do, and you, only you, can do it in the body of Christ. That means you are needed in the church. You have a function. You have a purpose. You say, Pastor, I don't feel very important. Well, yeah, we'll take a look at your body as a picture. Go ahead and, and say if there's something on your body that's not important. I don't know about you, but I used to think my little toes was not important for the first time I stuffed it. And I realized how important that thing is. That's right. Fingernails are my, they're completely important. 
So you do have a function, and you are important. And so let's take a look at verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, help, administration, varieties of tongues. So let's pick up in our next slide. All are apostles. Are all apostles? Of course, the answer to that is a resounding no. Are all prophets? And of course, once again, a resounding no. Are all teachers? A resounding no. Are all workers of miracles? A resounding no. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gift. This is what Paul did. This is the best gift. And you, as a Christian, have this. In fact, every Christian has this. And this is what Paul says. Look at me at the end here of verse 31. Yet I show you a more excellent way. Please understand that during this time frame, it was dangerous to be a Christian. It was dangerous. It wasn't as bad as it was, say, around 98 years. But it was still very dangerous to be a Christian. If you got around a bunch of Jews and you were the only Christian around, there's a good chance you were going to come home with a couple of black eyes. It's true. If you were the only Christian and you got around a bunch of Romans who were pagan, there's a good chance you might get falsely accused and arrested by something. So it was very dangerous to be an open Christian at this time. Paul's going to say so. And, and you know, as, 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 if you look at church history, you know this is a time that's very kind, very testing for Christians, and they ended up having to prove to one another the fact that Apostle Paul, when he writes his letters, he actually has to give a seal of approval on a lot of those that are there. Hey, you know, this, he's our beloved physician. You know, this guy, he's one of us. We have to put a seal of approval on them. You know who he is. And the one who doesn't know, they say, let's watch him. Let's watch him. Let's watch him. Now, here Paul's going to tell us something new. Here is a more excellent way. One of the things that Christians used to use to identify other Christians with their ability to speak in tongues, their ability to have Christian gifts, etc. Ultimate Christian gift. This is a more excellent way. We can say it's emphatic in Greek. It is something that is greater than all those other gifts. Let's take a look here. Now let's move again into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's look at verse 1. The Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, a lot of people want to say angel tongues sound like some gibberish gibberish here on the earth. Wrong. We don't know what angels speak like. I'd like to tell you this. Apostle Paul gets up into the third heaven and says, I heard things that were unjustified. I would dare say it's not a made up language. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I spoke such a beautiful sermon, if I gave such a wonderful prophecy, if I gave you such a resounding speech, such a great Bible teaching that it put goosebumps on your arm, but I don't have love. I become sounding wax or sounding symbol. That is just an annoying sound. When Betsy and I first got married, we had an efficiency of talking to the family Texas to have some of the The very first night we were there, oh, it was great being on one house talking about that. It was on apartment. We knew what that felt like. But if we climbed in our bed, all of a sudden the little sounds that were acceptable became loud as a semi-truck. What do I mean by that? We had a sink that would get whoop, whoop, whoop. 
I guess the actual text is saying, stop it now! Driving me crazy! When you speak, when you teach, when you rebuke, when you do something without love, you are just an annoyance. Do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that have not love? I become sounding brass for a clanging cymbal. I am somebody who is sitting there with a pair of cymbals from the drum set, and I'm just trying to drown out what God is doing. I'm just trying to drown out somebody else's message. I'm just an annoyance for me, 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 me. That's all a picture of it. Look at me in verse 2. Though I had to get some prophecy, and incidentally, I want to take you. Passage of the word love. You know this Christian word here. This word is agape. You said it forever today. You probably learned it in, in Greek before agape. What is agape? Well, oftentimes we translate it to That's because it's a beautiful word. It means self-giving, self-sacrificing. It's often translated as charity. But deep down aside, it's a little deeper than charity. It is, I will take your place. Paul says, I speak, I teach, I don't have any love, I'm just an annoying fan. Though I have to get the prophecy, if I could give the future, if I could stand up and teach the revelation and tell you what's going to happen tomorrow by looking at the news and it's 100% true, but there's no love in me, look at me in verse 2, so I have to give the prophecy and understand all the mystery and all knowledge if I could explain everything in the Bible. If I could explain it all, you know, we had that wonderful class called Why That in the Bible. But what if we could explain every single one of them? But Paul says, I don't have love. Guess what? So I got faith in these mountains. Literally mountains. I don't have love. I am nothing. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give everything in my house, everything in my bank account, though I reach out and give to the poor, to the poor, oh, I am poor. Though I give my body to be burned. Let me translate that for you. Not a believer. So I become a martyr. To be burned at the stake. So they tie me up on a pole and put wood underneath my feet and set fire to me and say, Would you renounce? Don't have love. This is what Paul says. It profits me nothing. Then we have a description of what your love is. Remember what Paul says? It's more excellent. It's a more excellent way. In fact, it's more excellent than the tongues of men. It's more excellent than the tongues of spiritual gifts. You know what? I'm not here to condemn people in tongues, but I think it happens to you. I think it did happen? Yes, I think it will happen again. Well, I guess I'm going to say amen. I'm going to have to I do. It's okay if you don't. I think it's happen. We're going to see pour it out again. But here's the deal. Well, it's a language everybody It's a language that I don't have to learn. It's a language that I don't have to translate. I don't have to get a lexicon out and translate that. Why? Because it doesn't matter if I'm Indonesian, Filipino, Oriental, Jewish, Greek, some sort of Romanian, Gentile. It does not matter. Everybody on the earth speaks the language. I don't need a translator for it. I don't need an interpreter for it. 
because when you do it in love, you know that. I don't have to explain it. You do it in love. Love, my Bible says, look at me in verse 4. Love suffers long. It is patient. It is kind. Love does not envy. It is not jealous. And that's what most people are. Jealous of somebody else's spiritual gift. And you know what? If you are envious of somebody else's spiritual gift, you have love. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. I know we like to put this in our marriages. And I know we like to put this in other places. But it, it is not provoked, the Bible says. You know what that means? It not. Angry. Love is not angry. It's not mad. You know? You ever met that kid? I've told this real love. Not the love. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't step up and say, You're not doing it my way. You do it. That's rude. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It, listen to me, verse 5. Think, no, easy. It doesn't come up with a problem, but it's not what you do. So I'm going to do that this That's not what love is. Love does not rejoice in iniquity of all the people, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Guess what real love does? It endures all things. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they're going to fail. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. They're going to stop and they're going to cease and not believe what they're going Where there are tongues, they will cease and forgive. Whether there's knowledge, You're going to judge another Christian by what they are doing and what they're not doing. You're not going to be able to judge a Christian by what they're doing. That's why I think we are on the Christian spectrum right now. Paul says, this is, this is what you do. Look at me. Verse 7, excuse me, verse 13. Now abide what remains of the word abide means. Now remains faith, hope, and the gospel. Love. These three are the greatest. No invitation tonight. But perhaps you might say, Pastor, I want to love God. You can't be from You can't love at all if you come to me. You might say, Pastor, I am a Christian. Somewhere down the line, I have let my love become angry. I've let my love become suspicious. Well, come back to the Bible. Find out what you're about. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you so much for this wonderful night. Thank you so much for your living word that you struck with in these two ages. And I pray, Lord God, you will teach us about love. We need to apply that love to our husbands, to our wives, to our family, to our children, to our fellow Christians. And then, Lord, let's apply that love to the lost. And as we sing, we go with us as we depart from the house of
people stay in the state next again Sunday morning to worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, please bless Israel. Keep them safe and bring peace to Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great evening. Shalom and happy Valentine's Day.